Now we give a very warm welcome to everyone to public worship today, both those in the building here and to those who are joining with us online. Let's begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm 139. It's found on page 432 of the Psalter, and it's at the beginning of the song. O Lord, Thou hast me searched and known, Thou knowest my sitting down and rising up. Yea, all my thoughts afar to thee are known. My footsteps and my lying down thou compassest always. Thou also most entirely art acquaint with all my ways. We'll sing verses uh, 1 to 10 of Psalm 139. O Lord, thou hast me searched unknown.
let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, help us to listen to the words of these songs. They reveal to us truths about you. You are the God who has searched us and the God who knows us in the deepest way possible. And it's not just our outward acts that you know, it's the words of our mouths and the thoughts in our minds. And one of our greatest fears on life's journey has been that we knew that you knew everything about us. And many of us have run from you and tried to hide from you many's a day, but we pray that we would come to you in the only way that sinners can come, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came into this world, that he lived among us for 33 years, died, rose again, and returned to heaven. And at this time of year, when the birth of Christ is on the minds of many, may we remember who you really are. You are God come as a human being to do something about the plight that we find ourselves in. We give thanks this day for the sound of little voices in our midst. They are gifts given to us by you. But we thank you above everything else for the gift of the babe in the manger. Because it's through him and him alone that we can be reconciled with you. We pray that as we gather here this day we would have thankful hearts. We thank you that at a time like this families can get together in a way that we're not able to perhaps at other times of the year. But we remember those who feel the empty spaces in their homes at a time like this. Be a blessing to them and encourage them. We thank you for the hope that we find in a saviour to this world. And may we all be found trusting in you. May our family units that you have given us in this world be together on the shores of eternity. Because we have all fled to you as our only saviour. We pray that you'd be with us one and all this day. Bless us. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing again to God's praise. This time it's Psalm number 145. It's the second version of Psalm 145. Page 444 of the Psalter and at the beginning of the song. O Lord, thou art my God and King. Thee will I magnify and praise. I will thee bless and gladly sing. And to thy holy name always. We'll sing verses 1 to 7 of Psalm 145. O Lord, thou art my God and King.
Now let's read God's word first of all in the book of Genesis at chapter 17 at verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout their generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from a foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He, shall, he has broken my covenant. And we'll further read in Genesis at chapter 21 and at the beginning of the chapter, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of the son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And we'll read in the New Testament in Luke's Gospel and at chapter 2 at the beginning of uh, the chapter. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration while Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. 
And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to a firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was given he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. In the womb. And our third reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter, our fourth reading rather, from uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, and at the beginning. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria, and Trachonitis, and Lasanius, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. 
Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him was none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable a fire. So with many other exhortations he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for uh, Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added to this to them all, that he locked up John in a prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Amen, and may God bless to us these readings from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, as we turn to explore something of your word this day, we ask you to help us. There are some things in it that are very difficult to understand. But there are other things in it that are almost impossible to misunderstand. May we listen to you this day. May we remind ourselves that when Jesus of Nazareth was baptized, the voice of God came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We pray that on this day, we too would be well pleased with what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for sinners. And may we all be able to say, He is my Saviour too, through us having trusted in Him as our Lord and Redeemer. So please be with us for the time we are gathered here. Bless all of us and all our loved ones, wherever they might be. Watch over us. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's continue to sing in the same song, Psalm 145, the second verse, at verse 8, page 444 of the Psalter. The Lord our God is gracious. Compassionate is he also. In mercy he is plenteous, but unto wrath and anger slow. We'll sing verses 8 to 14. The Lord our God is gracious. <coughs> 
to read at verse uh, 16. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, and verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now let's, by God's enabling, seek to explore something of this area of uh, Scripture. After the Lord Jesus Christ rises from uh, the dead, he interacts over a period of 40 days with many people. Sometimes there were hundreds of people in the crowds that he met with. 40 days after the resurrection, he went to the village of Bethany, and there he rose up and disappeared into the clouds. He returned to heaven, and he has been there ever since. He will come again to this world for a second time. That hasn't happened yet, but he will come in a similar way. At least it will be similar in this respect, that he will appear out of the clouds. His second coming to this world will be very, very different to his first coming. Because if there were those who thought of the manger in Bethlehem and thought, what's going on here because you don't normally put little children in cattle trucks, do you? But they were making use of what they had The circumstances were such that they had nothing else to put Jesus in, and so he ends up in the manger. But it looks pretty lowly, and it is pretty lowly. But when we discover who this is, it's a bit mystifying, because 30 years after his birth, he will begin this public ministry he will begin to tell people who he is and he never shies away from telling them who he is I am the son of God and there is a profound mystery in that because he's saying in these words not only am I a human being I'm also divine and you know there are two genealogies of Jesus in the New Testament one in the Gospel of Matthew and one in the Gospel of Luke and one brings him back to being the Son of God and the other brings him back to being the Son of Man both these genealogies come together in one person and this is a unique person God come in the flesh one of his names as we explored recently is this is Emmanuel that name means God with us we are here today on this the Lord's day because God visited the planet earth in a very specific way and of course he visited it to help us in the plight that we find ourselves in Because if we're upfront and honest with ourselves this day, we are here, hopefully, putting our hands up before God. Our opening song was this, 
O Lord, thou hast me searched and known. Thou knowest my sitting down and rising up. Yea, all my thoughts afar to thee are known. You know, for many of us on life's journey, one of our greatest fears has been this. We knew that he knew everything about us. And for many of us, our way of dealing with that was to run and hide from him. And sometimes to even pretend that he didn't even exist. It was a coping mechanism. But it's not a comfortable place to be on the run from God. But see when it dawns upon you that he came to save sinners. It's like a balm to the soul. It's just like a balm to the soul. The major mistake that many people make is this. That we've got to get ourselves sorted out so that we're good enough for this God. In order to get into heaven to be with this God in the world that is to come. It doesn't work like that. It simply doesn't work like that. It can't work. Because we can't sort ourselves out. And we should stop trying. But where does that leave us? You might well say, well that leaves us in a bit of a mess. I agree. I absolutely agree. But it's into the mess of a murky, sinful world that God came and visited this uh, planet. Now here we are on the 25th of December. We call it Christmas Day. Whether we've got the day right or not, who knows? It may have been this day. It may have been a date in October. You know, there are question marks over whether we've got the day right. There are question marks over whether we've got the month right. There are even question marks over whether we've got the year right. But it doesn't really matter whether we've got all these things absolutely accurate. What we do know is this. That God visited this planet. That there was a virgin with child. And that this child had been promised for a long, long time. Here we are. We think it's the year 2022. 2022 years since Jesus was born, we think. So we're looking back at something. But for many, many centuries, the world looked forward to Jesus coming. The very first man and woman in this world, Adam and Eve, were put into a garden by God, into the Garden of Eden, and they were at one. They were at one. God loved what he saw in Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve loved what they saw in God, and everything was fine. But God put them on probation, and this is what he said to them, the garden's your, do what you want with it. It's all yours, except for one solitary tree. And I don't want you to eat of the fruit of that tree. And as long as that went on, the communion and the interaction and the fellowship continued. But the moment they ate of the fruit of the tree, they are banished from the garden. And God always said that's the way it would go. They're out And they're no longer at one with God. And so we find a human race descended from Adam and Eve. And we are not at one with God. And I think we all know that in our heart of hearts. And if they were left to that. 
There would be no way back to God whatsoever, but God did not leave things like that. He said to them that in their family tree would come a child, and that child ultimately would be a blessing to every nation on earth. He was talking about none other than Jesus of Nazareth. From the word go, there is promise of this child being born into this world. Now let's remember this. God doesn't give all his revelation from the word go. He gives it bit by bit, bit by bit. It is what we call progressive. And so about 4,000 years ago, just 4,100 years or thereabout ago, God spoke to the man Abraham that we've been reading about and told him as he lived down there in southern Iraq, leave, leave Iraq and leave the paganism that you are a part of, or at least your family's a part of. And I'm going to show you where you're going to go, and ultimately we know where he took them. It was to the land that today we call the land of, uh, of Israel. It wasn't called Israel then, it was called Canaan. But um, God entered into a special relationship with Abraham. God would be Abraham's God, and Abraham would be God's man. Although it's not quite as simple as that. Abraham's married. And into this covenant relationship with God comes not just Abraham on his own. It's a family thing. It's a family thing. You know, the basic building block of any society is the family. That's God's way. And God has spelled out how we are to conduct ourselves and how families are to operate. But we do live in a world today that is geared to destroying that very structure. But I suppose that not, ought not to be a great surprise to us because we live in the theatre of spiritual warfare where God wants us to live in a certain kind of way and the enemy of our souls wants us to go in another way. And so you see powerful people in this world pouring billions of dollars and pounds into strategies that are to bring down everything to do with God, including uh, the family structure. But God said to Abraham, you're my person and your family are going to be involved in this covenant relationship and I'm going to give you a mark that's going to mark you out as my uh, people. And of course the mark was a circumcision. Now it's interesting, only the males were to be circumcised and you think, well what on earth is going on there? But God sees Abraham and Sarah as one unit. They have come together as husband and wife and they are as one. And uh, any children that are born into the family, well the boys will be circumcised, but not the girls. But the girls are not outside the covenant, they are part of the family that God operates with. And so the mark is put on the male uh, uh, children. And that's the way it operates from the time of uh, Abraham right down to the time of uh, Jesus of Nazareth. And we notice that uh, Jesus of Nazareth himself was uh, circumcised as an eight-day-old uh, child. 
But we noticed in the passages of scripture that we read that Jesus of Nazareth was also baptized at the age of 30 by John the Baptist, one of his cousins. Now that is interesting because when it came to John the Baptist baptizing Jesus, it was uh, at the Jordan River and Jesus was presumably in one of the long queues that came to be baptized by John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist saw him, he said, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this. And Jesus said, yes, you are. Now can you see what John the Baptist's problem was? You see, John the Baptist was preaching a message of repentance for the remission of sins. In other words, John the Baptist was preaching that if we come to God confessing our sins and being repentant, there was a way of being forgiven our sins. That was the message of John the Baptist. And so the people in these queues were coming as sinners to engage in being baptized. They would have their sins Remitted, there would be remission, there would be the washing away of their sins. But John the Baptist knew who Jesus was. And remember who Jesus was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. And you think, why on earth would someone like that subject himself to baptism? Why on earth would someone like that subject himself to circumcision? Because at the end of the day, this is what circumcision was pointing towards. Now it's not that when Abraham was instructed by God to circumcise his offspring, that that's the first time this world knew about circumcision, because it wasn't. There were other cultures that engaged in it for hygienic reasons. And the whole drive was this, to get rid of that which could be unclean. That was the whole drive of it. Now when it comes to baptism, it's the exact same drive. I know there are some people that believe that to be properly baptized, you must go under the water and come up again. And that's pointing to people dying and coming alive again in Christ. But the problem is this, that the word baptism, is used of the furniture in the temple in scripture and it most certainly wasn't submerged it was only sprinkled but the whole idea is this the New Testament speaks about the washing of regeneration when people are brought alive in Christ there is a washing to them and the drive of baptism is exactly that the washing away of that which is unclean you know when the kids are out in the garden and they're digging up this that and the next thing and you call them in for dinner you send them to the sink to wash their hands so that they clean off the grime that's what baptism is pointing towards that's what circumcision pointed towards and that's what baptism points towards as well you know I remember I remember getting into serious trouble with a mother on one occasion and it wasn't something I had said in a school it was something I had said at one of the clubs and what I had said was this that um, one of the children's clubs of course and um, what I had said was that every time we sin it's like there's a black mark on our souls And Jesus can get rid of the black marks on our souls. 
And the child had obviously gone home and said this, and the mother was absolutely fuming because I had the audacity to suggest that her child wasn't innocent. Well, we know that there's a certain type of innocence applied to children, applies to children. But I don't think I need to argue with anybody about whether our children know what it is to do wrong or not. We do have these black marks on our souls. And if we live and die with black marks on our souls, we will end up in the lostness of hell. That's what God tells us. You know, God is very upfront with us and God's very honest with us. And God calls a spade a spade. We ignore him at our peril. We absolutely ignore him at our peril. But I want us to remember this. We try to sort ourselves out thinking that if we sort ourselves out, God will save us. It doesn't work like that. It just doesn't. We come with all the black blemishes on our souls as we are to this God, to this Jesus. And we ask him for mercy. He is more willing to be merciful than we are uh, to ask him for mercy. That is the glory of the gospel. We today remember that God broke into the flow of the human race in an absolutely and utterly unique way. There's a babe in the manger in Bethlehem and he's Emmanuel. And he's Emmanuel for a very specific reason. This is God doing something utterly outstanding and utterly astonishing. And you think, what on earth is he doing this for? What's he doing this for? And one of the things he's doing it for is this. He wants us to pay attention. He wants us to take a good hard look at this. And what, what's he doing? Well, one of the things he's doing is this. He's highlighting the enormity of sin. And its consequences. We cannot handle it. We simply cannot handle it ourselves. No, but he can. And this is the only way it can be dealt with. This is the only way that God's justice can be fulfilled. And he does it. He does it in this astonishing, astonishing way. And before Jesus left this world, he gave the instruction to his disciples to go out into all the world, into every nation, and to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now let's remember this. Jesus was circumcised. He was also baptized. He's telling us this, that there's a change from Old Testament times to New Testament times, circumcision is over. It's now baptism. Just as in um, the Passover, it's over. It's now the Lord's Supper. He changes both of these uh, things. It is now the Lord's Supper and it is baptism. Now I know that there are those who would think in terms of it's only adults that can be baptized. You don't baptize children. Let's remember this. This covenant was a family covenant. 
And this covenant was circumcised them when they were eight days old. What did Isaac know about God and faith in God at eight days old? Not a great deal. But that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is this, Abraham circumcised him. That's the mark of my covenant with you and the family. And Abraham did it and Abraham was blessed by it. If there's any change in this covenant with God in New Testament times, we are looking for God's instruction about that and we are looking for something along those lines of God saying from now on in there's no children in this. It's not a family thing anymore. It's unthinkable. It simply isn't there. Now I say this every time I uh, have uh, a baptism service that in my folly at times I wish I could make decisions on the part of other people. I mean decisions about the salvation of of their souls. And this is the reason I think this. I just want to make absolutely sure that they're safe in Jesus for time and eternity. But it doesn't work like that. You cannot be saved by proxy. It's down to the individual and God. So does that mean we can't do anything for our children? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that at all. There are lots of us who want to do lots of things for our children. I mean, every parent eh, that's worth his or her salt will want the best of health for their children, will want the best of education, will want the best of uh, jobs, and etc., etc., etc. And you know, there's nothing at all in all this world wrong with that. Nothing. Nothing. But here's the crucial thing that many leave out. They forget about the never dying needs of their children's souls. These little bundles were gifts to us from God. We don't need to teach them to do something wrong. They do it innately. They too have never dying souls beating within them. And these souls need Christ. So what is the greatest gift that a parent can give to a child? The greatest gift that a parent can give to a child is to show them what it is to be in covenant relationship with God. Now I want to stop here and I want to say something because a lot of ourselves beat ourselves up because we have failed so miserably regarding the baptismal vows we have taken. But let's remember this. You go through the record of believers in God and scripture. And many of them have a history that is downrightly embarrassing. Because they've got things so terribly wrong in life's journey after they became believers. But let's remember this. This covenant with God always had an accommodation for people to come to him saying, I am sorry, I have mucked it up. Will you please have mercy upon me afresh? We have to remember that. We have to remember that every single day. 
And what we teach our children isn't that we've made the grade and we're now sinless, because that's simply not the way it is. What we teach our children is this, that we falter and fail, but we go to God every living day. And we say to him anew, oh Lord, I am sorry, please have mercy upon me. And the mercy of God, as the psalmist says, reaches the heavens. What does that mean? It's enormous. It's absolutely enormous. And so here we are uh, today. And we are going to engage in the baptism of little Naomi. And uh, you know, I remember my professor of Hebrew and was the was the professor John L. Mackay and um, he used to speak about the expectations we have from baptized children now I know it doesn't always work out that way the way that we would want them to work out the way that we would expect them to work out but you know if you take a rose and you put it in clay you can expect that rose to wither and die. But you take that rose and you put it in the right kind of compost and soil, you have an expectation that it's going to absolutely bloom and blossom. That's the expectation we ought to have concerning our children who are baptized. Vows will be taken today, solemn and serious vows. But like everything else for the believer, we turn heavenwards and we ask God, please help me, please help me to do your bidding. Please help me to fulfill the vows that I am about to take. Now let's sing again to God's praise in the same song, Psalm 145, the second version. It's page 445 of uh, the Psalter and it's at verse 15. The eyes of all things, Lord, attend. And on the way that here do live, and thou in season due descend, sufficient food them to relieve. Verses 15 to the end of the song, the eyes of all things, Lord, attend.
read it in that passage in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. So if the congregation could be upstanding, we will proceed with the baptism. Do you believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the Word of God? Yes, I do. Do you believe that Jesus is the only Savior of sinners? Do you promise to bring up Naomi in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? Yes. Naomi McLennan, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's join together in prayer. O Lord, our God. We thank you for the gift of little children, but they do come with huge responsibilities. But we pray that we would lean on you to help us each and every day. May we point to you in all our frailty, in all our waywardness, and in all our helplessness. We thank you that you have broken into the flow of the human race. We thank you that there was such a little child as this in the manger in Bethlehem. We thank you that he grew up to be an eternal king, today supreme on the throne of heaven, who will gather the whole world before him one day. We pray that we would know you as our friend and as our saviour. Bless everyone associated with this child. We pray that she too would come to honour the Lord in all of life's journey. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now we will conclude, folks, by singing to God's praise in Psalm number 16. It's in Sing Psalms and it's at verse 7. Psalm 16, page 17 of the Psalter. I praise the Lord my God whose counsel guides my choice and even in the night my heart recalls instruction's voice. Before me constantly I set the Lord alone because he is at my right hand I'll not be overthrown right till the end of uh, the song. We'll start
Now may grace, mercy, and peace from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one, both now and forevermore.